Hello, and welcome to Knock Off Drinks with a Difference. I'm your host, Amy Armstrong, passionate non-alcoholic expert and sober socialite. Grab your favourite glass of non-alcoholic wine and join me on the couch for a chat about all things alcohol-free. Today on the podcast, I want to begin talking about something that's really personal and timely relevant for me at the moment, and that is alcohol addiction and relationships. Uh, Now, as some of you may know, my husband Zeb's been away uh, for quite a few months and has just returned. Um, We'll get into the the more of that in in another podcast. I think this will end up being a little bit of a mini-series as we sort of work on coming back together as a couple and rebuilding our relationship. Now, as we all know, alcohol can do an awful lot of damage to relationships. Uh, It can also be a lot of fun in a relationship, but it can be the ruining of relationship. Zeb and I, we've seen both sides of this coin. Uh, We've been together for now over 16 years and we've had a lot of good times and we've also had a lot of bad times. I mean, I've been quite frank about the fact that alcohol nearly tore us apart uh, over the last few years and that's ultimately what led to me deciding to stop drinking altogether. So that's quite a common story and I've spoken to many people and know the effects that that this has had on their relationships as well. Um, What I really want to focus on with this series is the rebuild and what can come after your decision to stop drinking and how that might impact um, the loved ones around you. So who better to discuss this with than Zeb himself? And I welcome Zeb onto the couch today. Good morning. Hello, Amy. Hello, driver, wet listeners. Thank you for being here and thank you for being brave and wanting to talk to me about this. Thank you for coming up with the name of your business. Thank you for coming up with the name of my business. So for me, like from my perspective, the early days of our relationship were very booze-focused. I mean, the, the most of our relationship was booze-focused do you want to sort of spell out for everyone those first, um, the beginning of our relationship and, and what a, what part of that booze played? Well, I like drinking during the day. I hate going out at night. And back in the day, you used to be able to smoke cigarettes. So I used to avoid going out at night like the plague. But without tooting my own whistle here, I was very disciplined in my drinking. I'd go home. And I'd never get hangovers, I was never drunk, and I always had very low patience for people who were blind, drunk, and annoying. And unfortunately, I trained Amy to be able to drink with me, and unfortunately, she didn't have the same discipline as I did. I'd go home at 6 o'clock, and uh, Amy would get home at 4 a.m. So wasn't ideal, but I sort of built it and had to live with it. And that was really from the get-go? Yeah. Yeah, you you took a while to um get out of your old habits, but to your credit, you did. And then we went to Nelson Bay and that was fun. But yeah, that was heavily entrenched in um, daytime drinking. Like starting at 10am style daytime drinking? 7am if I was playing golf. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you'd meet me after golf, then we'd go watch the races, then we'd go home and get pizza and it was great. Now, many people would uh, frown at you for saying 7am drinking and look at that as problematic. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but you're playing golf and there's a beer cart. What choice do you have? Yeah, so Zeb 
claims to be the golden boy who has no no problematic behaviours around drinking, but we will pin that to the board there with 7am beers before golf. Uh, now, so we were in, up in Nelson Bay for quite a few years, five five years maybe. Um, over that time period of time, I was sort of on and off the booze when I was on. I mean, one stage I got put in a taxi at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, so that was an on time. And then other times I was having health kicks where I would go for periods of six weeks or so without drinking at all. Uh, what were those periods like for you? Um, well, you were my drinking buddy, so it was a bit, a bit lonely, but it was great to not have to put up with your anger and your emotional torment and your basic annoyingness of being blind drunk. And what was basic annoyingness and anger? What was what did that look like to you? You would just be angry. Alcohol makes a lot of people angry and it made you very angry at me about things that I hadn't done. Like what? Oh, it's hard it's hard to recall. It was a long time ago, but you'd just be angry at what I was watching on the TV. You'd be angry that I wasn't doing enough uni work. You'd be angry about everything. You'd be angry that I took you away from Melbourne. You'd be angry that I took you away from your friends. Just anger. You know it better than me. You just got angry. I, I don't. I don't have no memory of any of that. <laughs> um so when that was happening, like, I mean, we're only a few years into our relationship. Do you, is that, At that point, are you thinking, you know, maybe I should be not encouraging her to start drinking at 10 o'clock in the morning? Yep. It started then. I started discouraging you from trying to drink with me. Mm. And I think as as soon as someone starts to try and put a lid on what you're doing, once you've got a bit of momentum with it, that's where the problem's really started to begin I think so once for me once once Zeb started to try and control my drinking and curtail it and and keep a lid on it that's when I started escalating it and pushing back against that and drinking more yep true and uh other people in your family and my family would say oh you've got a bug or you've got um you're sick or something when you're throwing up in the toilet at 1am, 1pm, 1pm. And uh, it used to frustrate the hell out of me that no one else saw it except me. Yeah, certainly no one else saw it. And that was part of the problem for me because, to me, because no one else ever said, oh, maybe that's a little bit problematic. And because it was an acceptable and normal way of drinking, you're the only person that's banging on at me constantly about you shouldn't be doing that, you shouldn't be doing that, why are you so angry all the time, why this, why that, don't do that, Um, that creates in my head, it's Zeb is the problem, not me. Zeb is the problem and that he's trying to control me and that is really that he's trying to control me narrative is what led to things getting so much worse. It's uh, interesting that when you quit drinking, not one of your friends, family, husband or anything said, Oh, that's a bad idea. Everyone sort of just nodded along and went, yeah, probably for the best. <laughs> so it ended up not just me having to witness it. Oh, no, by the end of it, I mean, poor old Danny Neal, she'd have to, had to carry me through Melbourne a, f- a few times uh, and, and got the, the drunk side of Amy, the bad, the angry side of Amy. So we were in Nelson Bay. Things weren't too bad, but I was angry up there. We we kept up in with our on-again, off-again periods of drinking um well you you were never off 
Then we came back to live in Port Ferry, which is where we live now. This has become our our permanent home. And you had no you had no identity when we come here. You were just Zeb's wife. Yeah, and that was that was a big thing. So Zeb grew was born and bred in Port Ferry, and obviously has it's a very small coastal regional town in in Victoria. Zeb grew up with a lot of people that still live here and. For a long, long time, I was only known as Zeb's wife. I often joked that I needed to have it tattooed on my forehead because it was like, oh, you're Zeb's wife. So I was very – I struggled to find friends for a little while and get myself set up. Uh, so, again, I was very reliant, as I had been in Nelson Bay, on Zeb for socialising. Do you think that's accurate? Yes, that's true. Yep, but you did eventually find a lot of friends and now I'm your husband. You're the famous one. So when we got back here, we were back here for a couple of years before I fell pregnant with Violet. And I think from memory, things weren't too bad during that period when like pre-Violet, you know, the first couple of years that we were here, what are your, what's your perspective on that? Um, Well, you did some of the worst things that you've ever done. I'm sorry, before Violet was born, after we moved to Port Ferry. Uh, On Melbourne trips and whatnot. Melbourne trips and also one time we ended up in the emergency room in Warrnambool just before we went on the trip of a lifetime to Spain. Right. Okay. So my memory of that time is a little bit skewed and I think <laughs> clearly, and I think um, this all plays into that control piece where Zeb was saying, no, you can't drink that much and you've got to stop this. And, I mean, rules were brought into the house, like you can't have wine in the house and you should only drink beer and and all of that. And that's when I was really starting to push against that. Did you see – I mean, you were obviously very frustrated by this. You were trying to get me to, to drink less. You couldn't understand why I wouldn't drink less and you were kind of taking it quite personally, I think. Could you not see that the control aspect was what was causing me to drink more? I, I tried both. I tried not saying anything and I tried curtailing and it always ended up the same way. Like it, you still don't seem to understand the, or I guess you do, the when you go to Melbourne and you are missing for 12 hours and you have no idea where you've been or what you've done. And it's still like, how could you do that to somebody you love? I don't understand still. And part of the reason I agreed to start having kids was, well, this might slow her down. And it did, but you were angry during the pregnancy, especially on grand final day. And after Violet was born, you're okay for a little while, but eventually it got worse than ever. And that's when I had to bring in the if you're going to drink alcohol violent, I will not be in the house rule. Yeah, so yeah, definitely having that nine-month break when I was pregnant, I wasn't happy about that. No. No, that, and, and, and a part of that was, I mean, I was sat there on a soda water trying to do all the things that I'd normally done and not being happy with that. And as we all know, that's that's changed quite a lot. So the, the, the FOMO was real during that period. I And then as soon as I'd had Violet, I think I had quite a – bad postpartum sort of period where I thought that I'd completely lost all my sense of identity. I thought I'd lost my life before and I thought that it was all over and nothing was ever going to be the same again. So as soon as I got that little 
window of opportunity and I was able to go out and have a, a dinner or, you know, those little social occasions here and there, I was just drinking as much as humanly possible in those windows. Um, it was like by that point my off switch was completely gone. But I always had it in the back of my head. I always thought, you know, if Seb just let me have, you know, a bottle of red wine in the house, I just would have a, a, a one glass here and there and it wouldn't be a problem. That is always a thing that I thought. But it wasn't true. I've, Like I said, I went back and forth of letting you have free reign to trying to stop you, but you knew in the back of your head that I was never going to leave you because if I was going to, I would have 15 times already, but I didn't. I just had to put up with it and it, you know, all you know the effects it had on me. But it's sort of catch-22 because I liked having you as a drinking buddy on my terms, but you wouldn't. Yeah, no off switch, no discipline. Yeah. I don't think that you ever grasped the concept that I didn't have control over it. Yeah, I didn't. But I know I couldn't understand how you couldn't. You just stopped drinking. It comes six o'clock, the last race is finished. We go home and have pizza. Like, why do you need to go to a secondary venue? It's one of my uh, rules. Never go to a secondary venue. Yeah. And and that is where I think the big sort of understanding gap was, is that once I got started, it I did not have the ability to stop. And mm. and you took that as like a a personal affront or um, that you thought that I was doing that intentionally, like you know you're going to do this and you're just going to write yourself off and you're making that decision and you were choosing to do it, therefore you are the asshole. But I had your friends and my friends contacting me saying, You've, your wife's a very bad person. You need to... A bad person. Very, very naughty person. And I don't even know what that means. But I had people telling me, people who I didn't know exceptionally well, people who I knew my whole life telling me, Jesus, Amy, she's the worst. And uh, I've got a hierarchy of worst drinkers of all time. And you're not, you're not first, but you're up there. I think a big part of what we used to argue about was always before I was going out anywhere, you would be like, don't write yourself off. You know you're going to write yourself off. And I was in so much denial at that point, or I was in denial the whole time that I was like, no, I'm not. I'm only going to have a few drinks. And I, you always thought that I was lying to you, didn't you? Yeah, for sure, because you're on a mission to write yourself off as quick as possible every time. Yeah, but I never was. That was the thing, and that's what we've never kind of gotten to understand between the two of us is that I literally always believed that this time would be different, and that is part of the disease. That's part of the addiction. Um, towards the end, you started getting panic attacks after blacking out and not knowing what you'd done. I thought, well, that could be good. She might settle down a bit, but she did Well, no. I, I mean, I was sort of past the point of no return by the, by the stage of I was getting panic attacks. Yeah, but I bluffed with saying Violet and I would leave if you were drinking. Like we were going to go around to somebody else's house and I thought that might stop you, but we were never leaving you. I would never do that to a kid. But, you know, you, you were hurting her emotionally and once physically and it was it. But I thought you were going to be angry like when you were pregnant if you quit drinking and just resent me more. So I didn't know what to do. And so I tried again to just have a little bit, but that doesn't work. Then when you said you're quitting, I went, oh, great, she's going to be so mad for so long. 
But to your credit, you've shone like a star. And I think we'll leave this discussion there for today. I think the second part will will sort of chronicle me quitting drinking and the impact that that had on Zeb and then what has happened in the two years following. So thank you very much for being here today, Zeb. Thank you for sharing with me and being open. I'd like to point out that I'm being nasty saying, but you know what you used to do and you can understand the effect it could have on a loved one. Yeah, and that's the whole point of this discussion. I think it's um, we've got a lot of rebuilding to do and being able to have these discussions is important and I think a lot of people are going to be able to identify with the difficulties that we went through because of my drinking. I'd like to point out that you're going to the pub more than ever these days. I haven't been to a pub for a long time. Really? You go to the Victoria Hotel all the time. (laughs) Okay, okay, I'll take that back. And you go out to dinner and you do way more stuff than you used to, but you don't drink and it's like the biggest weight off my back. But it's just a matter of rebuilding me and, like, I do trust, but I lost all that trust when, you know, I couldn't, couldn't get hold of you and, you wanted to be in Melbourne away from your daughter. It was, yeah, it was bloody awful. Okay. Thank you, Zip. <laughs> but it's good now. It's great now. Yeah. And he's right. I am going to the pub more than I ever have been. Not necessarily just the pub, but I have found such liberation in not drinking that I never have that guilt over things that I've done in the previous week. So I'm doing every single thing that I want to do and can do and I'm enjoying the hell out of it. So please, if you've enjoyed this episode, share it to anyone who you think will benefit from it and we will catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you. As always, head to drybutwet.com.au for all the latest non-alcoholic drinks reviews. And head to Dry But Wet on Instagram for hilarity and entertainment. Thank you for listening and please subscribe and share this podcast if you think that anyone could benefit from it. See you next week. Cheers.